Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio with the vision of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. And now. Hey, it's Cajun Solo here, and welcome to a solo edition of Geekologist Radio. So this is a special Game of Thrones spoiler cast like we were doing before, except episode five, my audio completely just lagged out. And the guys were hearing me on a 5 to 10 second delay. We were noticing this at the start. And I had to back out. Uh, So what I'm doing is just recording all of my thoughts separately from the guys. And it's either going to be put into the regular cast or we're going to have it as a separate episode by itself. So I hope you enjoy what I have to say. And it's going to follow the same storyline that we cover in all of the episodes. Initial impressions, talk about the story. Plotline, location by location, final thoughts, hits and misses, and all that jazz. And I have a good bit of theories for you guys this week. So starting off, if you didn't hear my initial thoughts in the previous episode because of whatever reason, um, I thought this episode was good, but it was my least favorite episode of the season. And you'll hear a little bit more why when I cover it in the location by location. And uh, first off, we go to the Riverlands. Now, in the Riverlands, we watched Jamie almost drown last week. And one thing I didn't understand was why did we watch him drown last week? Because that was sort of left that cliffhanger there of when we come back next week, we'll see if he's alive or dead. Which, in the story standpoint and all of the theory crafting, we understand that Jamie does seem to have a bigger role and he's a major character, and that's a crappy way for him to die. But are we supposed to believe that Bronn swam with Jamie and Jamie's in full armor underwater? And they swam far enough to come out where nobody could see them. And then they just have a little talk and walk away. That's not Game of Thrones. That has too many holes in it. Um, Too many things could have happened there. Um, I just didn't like how that played out. They could have redirected a lot of stuff to make that scene uh, a little different. And to make it a little more believable of of them getting away to make the story go further. How? I'm not going to theorize on that just yet, but I'm not a big fan of how they played out. And I'm not a writer, um, so I'm just sitting here throwing stones from my end. But I really think they could have done that better because I wasn't a fan of how that played out. But it was good to hear Bron and Jamie explain why each of them did what they did last week. Why was Jamie dragon jousting? We could tell he's becoming more and more depressed, um, especially after hearing what Olana told him. And he really just wants to die at this point. He doesn't have much to live for. All his kids are dead. He's not a big fan of his relationship with his sister, a.k.a. his love, Cersei. It seems like he was trying to commit suicide. And also, he could have gone out a hero at the same time if he was able to kill Daenerys. And Bronn's on the exact opposite end of that. Jamie's the only one that knows what Bronn has promised. Like Bronn's technically a mercenary, and Jamie is the guy who's going to pay him the big castle and everything he needs. So he needs to keep him alive. So there's going to be a dynamic there uh, that we could see play out one or more times where Bronn does not want to let Jamie die. And also with some of the things Cersei requests later. But uh, this kind of opens up a minor plot hole for me. And I understand why the writers are doing this way and the showrunners are doing this. But if the dragons... They can't attack King's Landing because too many innocents will die. That's what everybody's telling Daenerys. But if Danny can control Drogon's attack directly, like she basically just said Dracarys and Drogon attacked just the Tarleys, nobody else. She has that kind of psychic ability with her dragons where she can make them attack 
where she wants, then what's the point? Why can't she just attack soldiers at King's Landing? Or is her psychic ability just with Drogon and the others will attack a little more haphazardly and that's the concern? Well, then just take Drogon in and make single attacks on King's Landing. Um, we also saw no Dothraki injured by Drogon as well. So this is also kind of plays into that. Drogon's pretty specific with his attacks and he can hit exactly what he needs to hit. So we'll see if that is something that plays out or if it's just me nitpicking right here. Then at the end of it, we see what's not really a noble choice. Daenerys gives the Lannister army bend the knee or die. That's not really a choice. It's it's a no choice scenario right there. It's bend the knee if you want to live. And that's not a true servant. They're, they're bending the knee, but they're not truly serving her. They're just doing this to survive. And the only ones who don't are the Tarleys who just swapped sides a few episodes ago so easily. And so this one, probably a little more to do with them being true to their word because we just saw them break it. More to we need the Tarley estate and what the Tarleys were promised to have something to do with Samwell. Now we know Samwell took the oath of, of the Black, but we need to have that play into it somehow. So this seems like a, a Ryder MacGuffin to get that to happen why they didn't bend the knee there. Now we're going to move on to the Citadel. Now in the Citadel, this is another uh, plot hole, but this one's more of a major plot hole. The King of the North, a maester in training who's Samwell, the actual maester of Winterfell, the heir to the throne of King's Landing, and the history books all say White Walkers exist. Heir to the throne, I mean by Bran. Um, what we have here is Cersei and the Maesters, they still don't believe the White Walkers exist. After all of this, all of this evidence, they don't believe there exists. And the only reason this doesn't exist is to force a plot point, and that plot point is to get the Band of Merry Men to go north of the Wall to get a White Walker to prove it. This is all of the reason why this exists, and it's just too much of a stretch. Um to make a scene that somebody really wanted to have happen, happen. And I really don't think Jar Jar Martin would have put this in his books. Um, we wouldn't know because the books are taking forever, but I don't think this would have made it in, having all these force plot points just to make this one episode. Um, they could have backtracked and made something better happen. Um, there was also a little bit of fan service. So the fan service was Gilly reading to Samwell about John's parentage. It was a it was a good scene. I liked how it played out, but it was a little fan service because we all kind of know about that and we were all speculating on where it's coming from. And to hear it coming from Gilly and Samwell just blowing her off and not even listening to her because her pronunciation wasn't exactly right when she said Rhaegar, that um that was a little off-putting, but I still enjoyed it as the fan and the service that they were trying to provide there but uh, at the end of this like sam has enough of the citadel but he doesn't have enough information but all the information is right there we just talked about john's parentage um we just talked about in previous episodes and his ongoing desire to learn more about dragon glass white walkers the long night all that stuff how that played out and how he can use this knowledge to help stop them. Um, he also doesn't know that his father and brother were burned alive 
by somebody his lord, Jon Snow, just aligned him with. So these are all things that are going to play out a little in the future with Sam, but it also throws a couple of curveballs into some of the things we were predicting on how people will learn this information. Um, but the one thing we did find is we're pretty clear now. We all speculated pretty hardcore before, um, but we're clear now that John is the legit heir to the throne because uh, his father, Rhaegar Targaryen, is the firstborn son, and John is a legit born son through marriage because his other marriage was annulled and he was remarried, which is a quick plot writing element. But I think this was something that they threw in there when fans of the show were starting to throw all of these curveballs as to why John's claim to the throne could have had some pushback from the people. You basically give it in writing of a maester why he has legit claim to the throne. Now, what would make this awesome? is after John finds out, he gives Daenerys a little bend the freaking knee. And then Daenerys has to bend the knee to him. Whether she does or doesn't, but that would be that would be fan service I would really appreciate and enjoy. Now we're gonna move on down to King's Landing. So King's Landing was kind of quick. We get there, Jamie and Tyrion, uh, they meet underneath near all the dragon heads and we get to see Tyrion really play his I killed father for a reason card because Jamie just throws into him you killed father and he's like yeah but he would have killed me and just like anybody else if somebody's going to kill you and you and you can stop it by killing them back you can do you do that and that's exactly what he did there and you got to see the emotion there because Jamie really wanted to be upset uh, with Tyrion and you could see him kind of breaking, Tyrion breaking Jamie's armor um, with his, his comeback. Now, the other thing we see in terms of reunions, we see Davos finds Gendry. And that was a really heartfelt reunion. That was some fan service um, doing it there, but it was nice to see Gendry come back. But the main fan service there was, is Gendry still rowing? And Davos saying that line it was basically a meme in generation right there because there were so many memes out there of like, what's up with Gendry? Oh, he's still rowing. Uh, so that was really good. But now for the book readers, they threw some fan service in there because Gendry's Warhammer is similar to Robert Baratheon's, his dad. He decides to use a hammer instead of a sword. So that was pretty cool to have those two things play in there. And that was just a fun, smiling scene to bring a likable character back into play. Um, now for Cersei, she has a little bit of indigestion. Now this indigestion that we see there is, uh, comes out to be a baby, we want to say. We'll see. So with Cersei's newfound baby, um, I'm not too sure that this is going to play out, um, the way she wants it to play out because she definitely brings Jamie Moore into her camp by saying so. And so we'll see if that actually plays out the way she wants it to play out. But she does put an ultimatum on Jamie towards Bronn that says, basically, Bronn's a mercenary, and if he's leaving Jamie, does this foreshadow any other mercenaries leaving Jamie? Because Bronn, she puts the ultimatum that Bronn needs to, uh, she needs to 
he needs to trust Braun a little more, or is she going to do something where Braun is betraying? But Braun's already has one foot out of the door. He's stepping out because he's facing dragons. And we know earlier that she's hiring mercenaries. She said it uh, earlier in this episode, episode five, and in a previous episode when she talked about uh, getting uh, the Golden Company. If Braun being the biggest and best mercenary is going to run when dragons are involved, is other Earth's mercenaries going to back away as well too? And is that going to make Cersei go to extremes to get what she needs done? Done. Sorry for our being a little bit scatterbrained on that last part there. I combined two thoughts into one. But <laughs> moving on, let's go on to Dragonstone. Now, in Dragonstone, the first thing we see is John getting to touch a dragon and the dragon sniffing him. And he is sniffing what we all know is the Valerian blood. And this leads so much more into John is going to be able to control a dragon if need be or even ride a dragon. But one thing that there's a little bit of an eye roll were my dragons are my children. And the reason I roll is if you ever talk to a dog lover with no kids, yeah, I rest my kids. That's what they say. Like, my dogs are my children. Like, no, they're your, your, your dogs. Children are children. Dogs are dogs. Same thing. Children are children. Dragons are dragons. They're not your kids. That was the eye roll that I gave to that scene. Um... One thing Danny does tell John is that we can only help people from a position of strength, and strength is sometimes terrible. And that more solidifies that she's not going mad. And I know other people are talking about her possibly going mad. We see that with Tyrion and Varys. But anybody who's watching her do her things, you know she's not going mad. She's just trying to really put her foot down and to control these people because doing it the soft way that Tyrion wanted was not successful for her. So she's making bigger changes. Now we got the uh, the meeting of the bastards in the cave. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, I got a, a very much, uh, did we just become bastard best friends vibe from that scene? Now, now moving quickly on, they're about to leave. But one thing they need to do in the show as a whole, because I don't see this playing out great at all, and it's a little annoying at this point, is they need to stop trying to make Jorah and Daenerys happen. It's never going to happen. They're not going to be together in that way. He's he's constantly in the friend zone. He's, con he's in love with her, but she's giving him all kinds of these more than friend vibes that we know she doesn't truly feel deep down. She was giving Jon those puppy dog eyes but not Jorah, which is more of a gross thing, but that's what uh, Targaryens are all about anyway. But um, I like Jorah, and I like Daenerys. I just don't like Jorarus or Daenerys or whatever they want to try to call themselves. Just stop trying to make fetch happen. Now, moving up to the north, we get to see Littlefinger's game. Now... While watching the show, this was something that was similar to another Arya scene that if the showrunners wouldn't have told me what they were trying to say, I wouldn't have gotten it. Was that I didn't read in that episode that Littlefinger was leading Arya on and that he knew he was being watched. And I didn't get that at all from the show and I needed the showrunners to tell me that. That's poor storytelling. 
he he looked back that one time, but it didn't look like he looked back with like a wry grin or anything like that. He it, it was still kind of up in the air, and they even left it up in the air at the end because when he was looking at the door, you couldn't tell if he just caught her snooping and this was his first time, or he planted it, which is from what we hear from the showrunners exactly what was supposed to happen. He planted that note. This was. Arya was supposed to hear that conversation. He used those words exactly the way he wanted them to. And she got the note, which is Sansa basically writing under duress that her father, Ned Stark, is a traitor to the crown. And that's what really caused Rob Stark to take up arms. Now, we all know she did it under duress. And I think Sansa can make a really good point to Arya that she was under duress. Because there's a point in that note when Sansa says that it's her uh, her dad was going against her love, Joffrey. And Arya knows for a fact that Sansa never loved Joffrey. And that could be the real twin- turning point of that note in getting Arya to Sansa's side. Hopefully that leads to Arya turning back on Littlefinger and dropping Littlefinger, because I really want that to happen. Arya killing Littlefinger is one of the things that I really want to happen. And Littlefinger right now, chaos is Littlefinger's ladder, and he is creating chaos to climb his ladder. And it may not work out for him, because this wolf pack we have in Winterfell and the surrounding area, it's going to be strong, and I think it's going to hold. Now, moving on to Eastwatch. Uh, we see this group of ragtag guys get together. What famous group of guys would you think this is? I was going to pose this to the cast, but with my audio issues, I'll never know which one they're going to pick. So maybe we'll get to hear their picks next week. you hear mine now, but they might even come into this as well because I've seen memes along this. But let me get you what I'm talking about. What famous group are these guys of five to seven or more people from film lore? Are they the Magnificent Seven? Are they the Suicide Squad? Are they Justice League? Avengers? Reservoir Dogs? Hateful Eight? Minus One? My favorite, though, is the Inglorious Bastards. Because of the bastards in the group in more ways than one. I like that one a lot, and that's the one I'm going to hang my hat on this week. Um, Let's see. There is... This is more of a theory uh, on that front. But and I'll throw it into my theories that I'll keep recording, but I'll say it now. I think there's a chance next week we're going to see John's Uncle Benjamin because they're on that side of the wall and if they go far enough away from it, Uncle Benjamin can help them out. Now, they, I don't know if it's a plot hole or not, but from the looks of where the Ravens are flying, it looks like the White Walkers are flying closer to the wall than Uncle Benjamin can even get, which could show the magic fading in the wall. So I'd like to see more on this because he couldn't get, he could, he like, he was pretty far away whenever he let Bran go. So I'm kind of curious to see if there is a defined limit or if they have to go pretty far to get to where the White Walkers are. Now, the other thing is this whole enchantment thing. Could John and his inglorious bastards be doing this all for naught? And inglorious is going to be the big word here. Because what we saw earlier, Uncle Benjamin, what we saw early in season one with 
the white that they catch and try to bring the twitching hand to King's Landing to get soldiers to react to the fact that White Walkers exist. The wall is enchanted. Nothing dead can pass it. So even if they catch a white, they can't bring it past the wall alive. So all of this could be for naught. They could lose some significant characters next week and still not be able to bring a white. Now, hopefully, that's not how it plays out. Hopefully, if the enchantment still exists and what we see in the trailer plays out, they're not even going to get a chance to get a white. They're just going to be overwhelmed, overrun. So many of them are going to die and they're going to turn and run. Now, there's a couple of characters. We might, we might actually uh, see Jorah Mormont fight his White Walker dad because his dad died on the other side of the wall near where uh, Night Kings come by to pick up babies. So we could see that um, and that could be a major point there. But we're going to see major characters die. Pretty much the only one that's going to live is Jon Snow out of this um, near guaranteed. He could be the literally the only survivor again, but... I'd be surprised if he was the only survivor, but we're going to see if we're counting this about seven, at least half are going to go down uh, on this little trip. And that's going to be hurtful because what we do see is the second to last episode of Game of Thrones, a lot of major characters die or a single major character die in the second to last episode. That gets the buzz going and that gets our last episode even more hyped and viewed. So we're going to see some major characters die, and I'm thinking more than just one of this ragtag group going beyond the wall. Ragtag group. Let me use my word, inglorious bastards. All right. Now, one question I have is that my pick was that Bran is going to tell Jon about his heritage. Samwell was up there as well, but now we have newly added Gilly. Um, Do you think she is going to be the one? is going to tell John about his parentage because she's remembering all this stuff. She has a pretty Loctite memory. Could she be the one when she's just hanging around and just like, oh no, it's this. And she remembers from the books and then takes them to the book where that's exactly written. I think that that could play out in a very good and slightly comical way that would work for the show. Um, The show, I think this week, in terms of my final thoughts moving into my final thoughts, Hits and misses for the show. Too many forced plot points. Um, a little too much fan service, even though as a fan, I enjoyed it. And that's kind of where it fell with me. And this forced group going to the wall, that was the major one. That I was kind of wondering why nobody believed Jon Snow. Um, because previously we had, you know, nothing Jon Snow. And now we have no one believes you Jon Snow. And I was wondering why they kept forcing that down our throats. And it seems like it was all just to set up this. And if you're going to force all that down my throats to force this, I'm not a fan of those uh, plot decisions. Um, from previous theories, my hits and misses, um, I did say there was something in the papers uh, Samuel described would be important. Um, but I said he was going to find the history of the White Walkers. Right now, we know he has the history of John's parentage in those papers he was transcribing and that Gilly found it and not Samwell. So miss on both those fronts, but uh, kind of a soft miss. 
And then one of the others I have is that Jamie will tell Cersei about Joffrey's actual killer. And I predicted that one he was going to do right away, no questions asked. And sure enough, he did it right away, no questions asked. And moving from there into new theories. So new theories for me, I actually have four this week. First one is from a co-worker of mine, Megan. She brought up this theory and I didn't even come close to thinking of it but as soon as she said it i was like oh this fits so strong theory is that cersei is not pregnant that it was a ruse to keep jamie in her camp and reason i dug a little deeper into this one and i reminded myself that cersei had that prophecy where she was going to have three kids and uh they were all going to die before she did three not four so either A, she's not pregnant right now, or B, she never has this kid. She doesn't have long enough to have this kid, which is most likely the scenario no matter what because the show's running to an end and we're pretty much not going to last nine more months in Westerosing time. But I like it more along the lines of her bringing Jamie back to her camp because like she said, she knows all. She probably could already feel that Jamie was sliding away. And she probably knew she was going to do this anyway. That's why she did that surprise betting of Jamie uh, when he was feeling a little down to have a, oh yeah, that one time that we did, that's what got me pregnant. Um, now, that's one theory. And that one's not even mine. Next one is another theory I'm about 60-40 on. And I'm leaning on the 60 side, so that's why I'm saying it, is that Cersei succeeds in her armistice with Daenerys and she kills Daenerys. So she kills Daenerys because I think we we have here is we see Jon Snow as the next dragon rider, as the next heir to the throne, and we might see a little bit of the play of Daenerys kind of losing her control and that leaves Jon as the rightful heir in Westeros, the elected king of the north. And Daenerys being a surprise death we could see at the end of this season, which would literally blow a lot of people's minds. So I think that's going to happen. But like I said, I'm more 60-40 on that one because that's a pretty major loved character that's going to get taken off the table. But we're going this whole season and none of the three major players for the throne that we saw in the trailer uh, have died yet. So that could be a big thing. Next theory is something I've hinted at earlier and what we've seen. Jamie is literally trying to kill himself. Jocelyn with the dragon got mad at Braun for saving him. Um, this plays into my earlier theory and a lot of other theories. Um, well, actually, I adopted the theory that Jamie kills Cersei. I originally picked he just leaves her, but I've adopted that one uh, that Jamie kills Cersei. But Jamie dies shortly thereafter. Like it could be the mountain charging in. Uh, and killing him, but he dies shortly thereafter because they're twins, they're brought into the world at the same time, they die at the same time. And the last one, this one goes way back into the history, is that Bran is Bran the Builder. His name is Bran. Bran the Builder is, in the history of Westeros, the guy who built the wall, oversaw the construction of the wall, didn't build it solo. He has the ability to time travel, Bran does. He has the knowledge of what the wall needs to do. And I think he does a time travel warg 
and goes back and ends up being the guy who leads the construction of the wall. And that's something we might see at the end of the season playing out. So those are my theories, my new theories. I'm sorry I couldn't be on with the other guys to get their reactions, their feedback, hear their theories, hear their oohs, ahs, and, or tell me where I was completely wrong in some of the stuff I was saying earlier. I was crazy. Um, hopefully this is not just a the ramblings of an idiot and, and I didn't say um and I like and I think too much which I'm pretty sure I did but that's where I'm gonna sign off you guys uh, thank you for spending your 20 something almost 30 minutes with me you can find me Caucasian Saint all one word on Twitter uh, ninjapancake.com is where you can find our podcast and a host of many others and also at Geekologist Radio on Twitter minus the T Geekologist for character restrictions And that's it. I hope y'all enjoy it again. One more hope on that front. And I will catch you on the next episode. And I hopefully recording live with no lag on the next one.